The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. And on with me, guest co-host. After Ole Miss's basketball season comes to a close in Columbia in the first round of the NCAA tournament, Corey Keys. Corey, what's up, man? Not much, man. Just uh, glad to kick my feet up. How about you, bro? I'm good. What are your thoughts right now on the Sweet 16? Uh, it went, like, extra chalky, didn't it? Yes. Um, it was kind of a, I don't know, I, I kind of thought it would be chalky. I don't think it, I thought it would be this chalky because the NCAA tournament just always has these random upsets and these random teams that you don't necessarily expect. But only two teams outside of the top, you know, 16 um, analytically, and that's LSU, who's barely outside of the top 16, and Oregon, who's in the 20s. And quite frankly, again, that's a power six team that won their conference tournament and was the preseason pick to win the Pac-12 before Bowl Bowl went down with a season-ending injury. So, I mean, I guess it's good. It's been a I, – I don't think it's been a very good tournament so far, but I think it's probably good that you've got the best teams remaining at the very least. The only game that's truly been good from start to finish, plugged to my TV until the very final horn, was UCF Duke. That's the only Yeah, that's one. what I was going to say too. But I think that the NCAA Selection Committee – set it up to be this way. I think they wanted it to be chalky. Otherwise, you can't make too much sense out of the seating. Well, and I wonder how much the net being the new um, analytics-based metric, we still don't know how much because they haven't released the official formula. That's a a different side point. Uh, But I do wonder how much net kind of got it right from a sorting uh, mechanism. Uh, Because generally speaking, there weren't a whole lot of complaints about who did or didn't make the field. Um, in a year where the bubble was what it was. No, that part was uh, right. That part was right. 
Yeah, and it felt that way. Like there might have been one team, two teams. So you're like, yeah, I guess you could put them in. But then again, you couldn't really pick them over any other particular team. Like I guess the lowest team to get in was St. John's. And, you know, obviously they got boat raced in their game in Dayton. But, you know, generally speaking, they did a pretty good job on selection. Uh, you could probably say that about the seeding too for the mo- for almost the most part. I don't think you can get it perfect. That's impossible. But it's been pretty good if, in that regard. But, you know, it has led to some anticlimactic games, um, except for the Duke UCF one that, um, that you talked about, which I still kind of can't get over 24. We're we're recording this about 24 hours after it ended. And it was a hell of a game, man. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern Woodman representative. If you need help financially, contact Thomas today. He'll help you with retirement savings, getting your financials in order. He's done it for me. He can do it for you. So what does modern Woodman do? How about financial security for you and your family through life insurance, retirement planning, financial services? How about quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities? Community impact through local volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. If your finances are bogging you down as they were for me, contact Thomas today. He's a personal friend. He's the one to talk to. 662-296-0186. 662-296-0186. To learn more, go to www.modernwoodman.org. That's www.modernwoodman.org. Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. The podcast brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there, like recently. <laughs> You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, right? If that's the case, and to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels' Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, so they'll probably want to talk some Ole Miss basketball, baseball, spring football practices, but more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible. And make sure you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. The one game that we cover here on Talk of Champions, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, was not climactic at all. Actually, the no. game was quite, frankly, over in the first two and a half minutes when Oklahoma went up 12 to nothing. A lot to go over with Ole Miss basketball, but not just basketball in this edition of Talk of Champions. Got a lot of football, too. Got a spring football report with Jacob Peeler, Ole Miss wide receivers coach, as well as a recruit check because Ole Miss got two football commitments over the weekend from the former co-host of this show, David Johnson, both of which is coming up in just a little bit. But when I look at Ole Miss basketball, I look at that first-round game, the loss to Oklahoma. I was talking to a number of different people after it was over, and the general consensus that I got was – Kermit Davis squeezed every ounce of production out of this team that he could. That they got there was a feat unto itself. But now you know how far they are from getting to the tournament and then making a run in the tournament. There's a difference between getting yeah. there and then being a real threat to make a run. And it seemed obvious, especially along the front line, when you got Dom and Bruce having no answer whatsoever for Christian Doolittle, that Ole Miss has a lot of work to do in recruiting. Was that pretty obvious to you watching it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a I think that's a really good point. Um, I think what you saw was I, I right off the top. What I do agree with is that he squeezed every ounce out of this team over the totality of the season, um, because I think what you saw the last three, four weeks of the year was more of kind of a regression to the mean, so to speak, because um, that team played its best basketball about mid-January in about a, what was it like a 72 or a 96 hour period where they beat Auburn and went to Mississippi state and won, which turned out to be two of the three best wins they had all year. Yeah. They were um, six and, and 11 they, over their final 17. 
Yeah, and it, and it turned out to be a struggle because they immediately got ranked and lost five out of six, was going to Auburn in kind of a game when you look at the final score on the box score that didn't make a whole lot of sense. How does Auburn score 55 points at home? The Auburn team we see now playing in the Sweet 16, by the way. And they kind of, again, following that Auburn win, they didn't beat another NCAA tournament team the rest of the way. Um, they had to kind of struggle to beat Georgia at home, uh, to beat Missouri on the road. Um, you know, some of the, it, I, I think what they what he got out of them particularly early on and the bubble was what it was, gave them enough leeway to get in with the seed that they got. If that makes sense. I don't, th I think he maxed out everything he possibly could. And then they get to the NCAA tournament. And frankly, I don't know if they were, I, I wasn't there obviously, but I don't know if they were tight. I don't know if the moment was big or whatever the case may be. It's an NCAA tournament. Of course it's big, but just from the tap, Oklahoma outclassed them. I, I don't know this cause I'm not looking at the analytics in front of me, but it was probably the worst defensive performance of the year for that team. Most points they've given up all year, and I do think that a lack of experience on Ole Miss's part and experience in Oklahoma's part played a role in it, especially early. Christian James has played in the Elite Eight before. I mean, that stage is not mm -hmm. new to him. He knew what to expect. He knew how to attack it. Brian Tyree was coming off a terrible performance in Nashville, and the minute those shots started not falling again in Columbia, you could tell that there was some effort lagging off defensively. And when you're Kermit Davis having to coach effort, in a do-or-die game in which the tournament, the final result is crowned of a national champion, you got problems. Terrence Davis did everything he could to keep Ole Miss in that mm -hmm. game and to go out with at least one win in the NCAA tournament, but he couldn't do it alone. And outside of him and Devontae Shuler early, no one was really making shots, and that's where that all comes back to, which leads you to recruiting now and looking forward to the spring period. Obviously, Ole Miss is going to add at least two players this spring. Could sign up to four. Now, they're one over. They signed four in the fall. they got to get rid of at least one player. If they sign any more than that, open up more spots. And obvious candidates on the roster bubble, Brian Hallams, Zach Naylor, Franco Miller, and go from there. Dominic Olenicek, for example, could make the decision for Ole Miss if he decides to go overseas and play in Europe, which there is a draw there from his family to go ahead and leave and go start his professional career overseas. All of those things could happen, and Ole Miss would have the spots. But at the end of the day, areas of weakness, the target areas for recruiting are pretty simple. Mm -hmm. One, Kadeem size, the biggest recruit on the board. And he's a plug-and-play, impact playing five that can stretch out to three. I think Ole Miss is going to get him. Jamin Brakefield reclassifying from 2020 to 2019 is the second most important thing to happen this spring. If that happens, I think they get him. And right now, I'd project both of those players to end up at Ole Miss. And then after that, Sean McNeil would make a lot of sense as far as filling the scoring void left by Terrence Davis and being a lead guard that can complement Brian Tyree and also take some of the scoring burden and the minutes burden off of him as well. I think I think a little bit, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, a little bit of why almost ran out of gas toward the end, if we can even say that, is because Brian Tyree is not a player that you would ideally have playing 30-plus minutes a game. Ideally, you would have him playing 25 to 28, and then if you need to stretch him out in particular games due to foul trouble or whatever, you do that. But if you can get another dynamic score that when Bree comes off the court that the scoring just doesn't fall apart, that would be a big thing. That's where Sean McNeil makes sense. And then after that, best player available is a grad transfer, Austin Crowley, who just requested his release from Vanderbilt after Bryce Drew was fired. He had Ole Miss number two when he committed to Vanderbilt. Having signed in the fall and getting released from his LOI, I fully expect Austin Crowley to end up at Ole Miss if you maybe project it today. Now, anything can happen in recruiting. You get that done in the spring, you're cooking with gas going into next year. The expectation now is the NCAA tournament. It's no longer just getting there and, and being glad that you got there. Now they expect to get to the NCAA tournament. How can you make some noise? How can you make a run? And Blake Kinson 
acknowledged the recruitment of Austin Crowley without naming him after the game was over, basically saying that Austin Crowley wants to come. And he also made, I think, the most salient point after the game was over that, look, he wants to win this tournament. Now, if Ole Miss can win a national championship is completely different as far as discussion is concerned. But his objective is not just to get there. He wants to win the tournament. He wants that for the program. He wants that for himself. He wants to go win. So you're starting to see the worm turn as far as what the expectations are for a program that had only been to the NCAA tournament eight other times in its 108-year history before this year. And I think that, to me, if you're an Ole Miss fan trying to pull out a silver lining from getting bounced early is that they got there. They weren't supposed to be there. They were picked to finish last in the SEC. But next time they do go there, they expect to make a run. Well, and I think you that that whole discussion goes back to players, you know, and it's what you said at the beginning when the difference between being an NCAA tournament team and being a team that can win a couple games and make a run be a second weekend team. Those are two very different things. Um, and, and that goes back to quality of player and depth of player, quite frankly. Um, that's what this team didn't have. You know, they had top level talent at the very top. You know, they've got three guys. It's like we talked about last week before we did this. Three SEC, all SEC level guards. You know, Terrence Davis, Brian Tyree have now already been that. I would fully expect Devontae Shuler, if he stays with it, to do the same thing. Um, so they had that top level talent. Now, the difference is, is going to be able to fill that out, not having to ride those guys so long not having to push Brian Tyree towards 35 minutes a game to get him a blow when he needs to and being able to have guys that are serviceable when your frontline guys are out. That also goes inside because quite frankly, they played what three and a half guys in the post. I mean, you start talking about Bruce Stevens, Dominic Olenicek, um, and, and Blake Henson, KJ Buffins, a quasi four man. They need more. They didn't have a whole lot of, of, I mean, you can say size, but they didn't, they didn't have a whole lot of girth necessarily guys that can really be good post defenders and defenders around the rim. Uh, that's what they didn't have. And you saw that glaringly against Oklahoma, but again, yeah, the difference between making the tournament and making that run is having more of those guys. And you mentioned a couple guys that I'm familiar with because they were on campus when I was still on staff. Um, I remember Austin Crowley coming on a visit there, coming on an official visit. And it was obviously somebody that the that the previous staff and this staff both coveted out of uh, at a West Point. And also Jamin Brakefield, who's a kid that was with NBA hoops and came to our team camp that last summer. I was there, actually. And he was on campus as well um, with his people and with his uh, AAU team. So obviously these are dudes that have been coveted for a while now. Guys that uh, Brakefield's actually from Jackson originally, I believe. But he's a kid. And these are kids that obviously you need more of. And I think the biggest draw or the biggest plus about them more than anything else is being Mississippi kids is something that that's what Ole Miss hasn't been able to for the longest time now be able to be the draw for the highest, the top Mississippi kids. A lot of times, what is the constant thread you see about those top level kids from the state of Mississippi? They have a relative that played at Mississippi state. It is the damnedest thing. Robert Woodard, Reggie Perry, all those guys, they had a prior link to Mississippi state. Ole Miss has never been able to get in that game. If they're able to, well, then that can also kind of open the door in the state with your top level talent because Mississippi is a state that'll produce a handful of division one players, but the amount that are actually high major sec level players is routinely really small. It's never more than a couple in one class. Um, so I think that obviously it opens a door and, you know, Vanderbilt have making a coaching change can be Ole Miss's gain. Alabama making a coaching change can be Ole Miss's gain. I think it's an interesting year because there's a potential for four sec jobs. There's three right now with the potential of one more four sec jobs being open. And those can be Ole Miss's gain simply because their job opening came open a year earlier when it was quiet. You said Austin Crowley was on campus. What's the scout of Austin Crowley? 
Well, he's a wing, an athletic wing that can make plays. That was the little that I knew of him. Jamin Brakefield was an athletic four. You could probably play him a three and four, but really athletic. I um, mean, I saw him when he, he was really young. So that, again, he's talking about reclassing now. So I probably saw him when he was a freshman, thereabouts, ninth, 10th grade, something. And he was really good. You could see what that potential was going to be. So both of those kids, you know, Crowley, he, he goes to Vanderbilt, which, you know, has been prior to Bryce Drew's firing had recruited better than anybody had at Vanderbilt, better than Kevin Stallings. You know, he landed Darius Garland. He landed Simi Chateau, Aaron Neesmith, some of those top level kids that Vanderbilt had gotten in the last class. So that, you know, make no mistake for them to pursue and sign Austin Crowley can tell you that he was obviously a coveted player with things opening up and there's scholarships all over the place here in the spring. Who knows who tries to dip their toes back in and say, okay, I like him. Let's make a jump at him. So I'm sure it'll be a crowded field one way or the other. And it's a chance. It is a chance for the new staff to get to make some headway in recruiting. And, and start to build that depth that, again, as you said, man, that can propel this team to have some expectations heading into next season. Ole Miss played with a rotation of about six and a half, seven players. It depends mm-hmm. on how you want to count D.C. Davis and how you want right. to count K.J. Buffin when he was in foul trouble. Really, they were playing with six and a half, seven players. When it comes tournament time, when it comes toward the end of the season, you have to get it done. When you go home or the resume, building it or it falling apart, that's where your depth comes into play, and that's where Ole Miss was hurt this year. And Ole Miss did a good job, a great job, really, if you think of Sammy Hunter and the players that can make impacts like Bryce Williams in this class, dude column. Great job in the fall, but that's just the starting point. And Ole Miss completely overhauled its roster last year. Only had five returnees to seven newcomers. I think mm-hmm. they could have close to the same thing again. They could go even a little bit further if they wanted to. And that's where, as a former assistant to Andy Kennedy, you have a good idea of this. In basketball, unlike in football, there's only 13 spots, and you're trying to maximize your roster the best you can. But what are Mm -hmm. those discussions like? What What is the roster breakdown like when you add all these players and you have these considerations like Franco Miller's from the Bahamas and you've got a pipeline to the Bahamas, Sammy Hunter, Coach Joe in women's basketball. If you get rid of Franco Miller after one year, does that have an effect? How do you balance that? What's it like when you're building a roster, when you're making hard decisions after a year like this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I hate saying that you have to make those tough decisions. You really do. And that's the nature of the one-year non-renewable scholarship, right? You know, we can disagree whether that's right or not, um, but that's the way it is. And until it changes, that's the way the game is going to operate. And I think part of the part of the deal is, and I think a really underrated thing because it's not a tangible thing we can look at analytically or hold in our hands, is how players mesh together and how chemistry meshes together as well. Um, how are those kids going to get along together? Are they going to take coaching? Are they going to take hard coaching? Is it going to be where if they're coached hard, they fold? When things go wrong, how are they going to be? Are they just going to are they going to shut down, or are they going to buckle down and get it done? That to me is the biggest question mark. Now, I think most of the time you say, okay, they're talented, let's take our chances. But you've seen talented talented teams come up short because they simply aren't necessarily tough mentally. Anytime when I talk about sports, especially basketball, when I talk about a team's toughness, I very rarely mean physically. They are all physical, strong, athletic dudes, more than I could ever be, right? A lot of it comes down to mentally. Are they able to take coaching? Are they able to communicate effectively? Those sorts of things. And that, I think, is the hardest thing when you flip a roster. Uh, because you just don't know, man, because you've got kids at different points in their careers. Some kids have been with the program for four years under a previous coaching staff. Some kids have only been there for a year. 
under this coaching staff. They didn't play a whole lot, but they don't know where they stand next year. Some got there as freshmen. They plan on being there four years with this staff. So it's very much you're putting those puzzle pieces together, and that is what, what can be tenuous about the whole deal. Ole Miss, I feel comfortable saying, will return safely Tyree, Shuler, Henson, and Buffin. After that, all bets are off. Now, the next mm-hmm. closest, most safe player, I would say, on the roster would be Luis Rodriguez. But even Luis Rodriguez's roster spot isn't guaranteed. The only four that I feel most comfortable with are the four I just mentioned. So when you look at next year's team, you look at that nucleus, expecting them to build around it and have better depth. Do you see Ole Miss early projection, this is a year out, of being an NCAA tournament contender again? Man, that's hard to say. Um, I, I don't know. I, I know that's not the answer you wanted. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I want to see what the rest of the league does. I mean, frankly, I'm looking at it strictly on paper right now. And again, we're about to have four coaching uh, vacancies in the league. Um, and so you don't know what turnover looks like. I think the league is going to take a step back. Now, I don't think it's going to be a drastic step back. I don't necessarily think it's going to be as strong as it's been this year or even last year when it was even stronger. I think overall that may end up hurting because there may not be quite as many uh, bonafide quality wins in there. Um, So I think that's something that benefited Ole Miss this year, man. They didn't play. They only had to play three games against sub 100 SEC opponents. And they took care of them. Two against Georgia, one against Vanderbilt. Everything else was top 100. So no loss in SEC play hurt you. I think that really benefited them. It benefited every team, if we're being fair. It did. And Ole Miss got into a league that was fourth in the country compared to in previous years being sixth or seventh behind the Mountain Mm -hmm. West some years. That was an important thing. You look at the turnover in the league. One thing that will be obvious is that I don't think the coaching changes are done. We still haven't seen the next shoe drop as far as the FBI stuff. But there was a rumor that came out yesterday and it's appropriate since you and I are talking that AK could be involved in the search at Alabama. <laughs> Do you think that's real? I don't know. I mean, nowadays, I don't know what this type of stuff, what's real or not. I mean, I think his name for Alabama is probably on the radar. You know, whether that's on the short list, I don't really know. Um, He's n- it's not going to be Fred Hoiberg. Fred Hoiberg's going to go somewhere in the Midwest or, or maybe go well, out west. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. So Hoiberg is waiting to see if Steve Prome takes Alabama because Hoiberg would go back to Iowa State. Uh, where he was before. So, I, I mean, I think the one Alabama has kind of circled is Steve Prome, um, but I could absolutely see a couple other options in there. But again, you never know what's going to happen. You never know if Iowa State ponies up their contract, gives him some money. He's got a good job at Iowa State where basketball is essentially king there, and they're always good. If if the Alabama isn't able to swing him, well, then you start, okay, do they dip their toes back in on Greg Marshall, see what they can do there? If that doesn't work out, then where do you go? So, yeah, I absolutely think AK's name's probably on the radar somewhere. You know, whether it's on the top two or three shortlist, I don't know. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Corey Keys at Corey Keys on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions and soon to be back on Rebel Sports Radio. Ole Miss football picked up two commitments over the weekend, but I don't cover Ole Miss football recruiting, only Ole Miss basketball recruiting. David Johnson, who used to co-host this show with me, he most certainly covers recruiting. He covers it better than anybody on the beat. Just simply go to the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com and check it out for yourself. He joins right now for a recruit check. <laughs> Wow. You're here. I'm here. Let's do this! 
It's recruit check time on Talk of Champions, and joining me is the former co-host of this podcast, now has his own podcast on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, called The Insiders. He's David Johnson. David, what's up, man? It's good to be home, man. What can I say? Thank you for having me on. It's been a month. It's been a month now. Has it been that long? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ben and I talk to each other almost every single day anyway, so you know, I, I guess that kind of kind of keeps things near to my heart. But, uh, man, I'm, thank you for having me back. I, I really appreciate that. You and Jacob Peeler are the guests on Talk of Champions today. It's weird for you to be a guest on Talk of Champions, but here you are. And the reason you are is because Ole Miss football recruiting has finally had some movement recently, picking up some commitments. I know. Tell me about these commitments. I know nothing about them. What a Sunday for Ole Miss, uh, landing two uh, pretty darn good commitments. And look, these are three-star guys, but I'm telling you, they fit the puzzle almost perfectly in terms of what Ole Miss wants. And uh, to be honest with you, I think both of them, and I'm not just pumping sunshine here, I think both of them are a little underrated. We'll start off with the in-state commitment, and that's Austin Keys out of Seminary High School. Uh, he is a kid that got a little bit of attention last year when everybody in the country was watching Nathan Pickering play down at seminary. And uh, he had an ankle injury that he tried to play through, ended up missing a substantial amount of time last year, I think four games towards the end of the season. Uh, So you didn't get that full effect. He also is a kid that had a big growth spurt. He's tipping the scales at 6'2", 225 pounds right now. He was about 5'11 this time last year, if you can believe that. So he shot up. Not a lot of guys outside the state of Mississippi were aware of Austin Keys. By the way, they call him Otis. So if you hear Otis Keys being referred to, Otis is his nickname, something his mom gave him a long time ago. I won't bore you with the details of that story. But anyway, if you hear Otis Keys, we're talking about Austin Keys. Uh, but Ben, he is a prototypical six foot two, 225 pound inside linebacker prospect. That's an area, of course, that Ole Miss is always looking for players in. I mean, these last three, four seasons of struggling at the linebacker position, I I mean, everybody's for stacking as many linebackers on this roster as you can. Some of them are bound to be able to play, right? Uh, So uh, Austin Keys joins the class, and uh, he joins Eli Acker, uh, the offensive lineman out of Columbus, Mississippi Heritage Academy, as the two in-state commits Ole Miss has on board right now. The other guy that I'm really excited about that committed yesterday, Kaiwan Herndon. He's out of Jacksonville, Florida. Sandalwood High School, if that sounds familiar to you, that's where Sincere David played, the current Ole Miss defensive tackle who's battling to get some playing time at the nose position this year. Uh, Herndon, and look, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, so to speak, but if you watch his film, he's got a little bit of uh, – And look, I'm not saying he's this guy. He's got a little bit of another Floridian that ended up coming to Ole Miss. Don't say it. Yeah, I am. I'm telling you, just just a little bit, just a flavor, like like putting a sprinkle of hot cocoa in your morning coffee. You can taste the chocolate just a little bit. And we're talking about Dexter McCluster. He's that kind of joystick kind of player. I heard that about Corvick Neat, David. I heard that about Corvick Neat. Or listen, I know you did. But if you want a more contemporary comparison, a little bit of Elijah Moore in him. Uh, okay. You know, I mean, this guy can make some moves out there on the football field. He's only 5'9", about 180 pounds, but he is a dynamo. And, uh, you know, he told me, Ben, about a month ago, Ole Miss was his leader. And uh, so I've been getting to know him over the course of the last month. Of course, he, he kept 
kept course on that. And uh, Saturday was the first time he ever visited Oxford. And he knew before he would, he left campus on Saturday what he was going to do. I appreciate this kid. Just a little behind-the-scenes stuff here. We reported his commitment probably two hours before he tweeted it out yesterday. I don't ever ruin a kid's surprise, but he asked me to do that. He was busy getting together photos and graphics and stuff that Ole Miss was sending him in, in, you know, from a photo shoot he did Saturday to tweet it out, but he wanted to go ahead and get it out. So he gave the Ole Miss spirit the story two hours before he actually tweeted it out. And I, I appreciate kids doing things like that. Uh, that's a rarity nowadays. Most uh, kids break their own news on Twitter, but uh, I'm excited about him too. Brought two of his teammates from Sandalwood with him in offensive lineman Kobe Baines and cornerback Jacquez Robinson. Now, Robinson is currently committed to Alabama. I talked to him late last night. That story's out on the front page of the Ole Miss Spirit, also in the notes on the Rebel Rise Notebook this morning. Uh, look, Ole Miss has got a good chance with Jacquez Robinson and a good chance with Kobe Baines to get them to join Kaiwan Herndon in this class. I'm not a big guy on on relationships between players and that ultimately playing a big factor in where they all go to school. But this this trio here, they're really, really close. And talking to Baines on Sunday and talking to Robinson last night, Listen, I could see these guys following Kaiwan Herndon to Ole Miss so that they can continue to play together. And they've all played together since Pop Warner ball, Ben. Uh, so they're they're really tight. As a matter of fact, uh, Jacquez Robinson, the Alabama commit, told me that Kaiwan Herndon's dad is really kind of like his uncle. They're that close. Uh, it's going to be interesting and intriguing to track this trio the rest of the way down to the December early signing period because I do think the Rebels got in big on all three of these guys. And look, kudos to Charles Clark, the Ole Miss cornerbacks coach. We don't talk about him a whole lot as an outstanding recruiter. Ben, he's got these three guys and they all love Charles Clark. I mean, Jacquez Robinson's telling me this morning how Charles Clark makes him feel at home and uh, Clark of course uh, from Jacksonville and he and these guys have some some common things to talk about in terms of growing up in that area uh, I think that's something to watch right there but in a nutshell great Sunday for Ole Miss football recruiting what are the other two Florida kids ranked well both of those guys are three-star prospects and uh, you know I wouldn't pay a whole lot of attention to the rankings as much as I would their offer sheets. I mean, because that's really and truly where you, where, you know, you know, like who's interested in these guys. And and just look at Jacquez Robinson, for instance, committed to Alabama. He's a three-star prospect committed to Alabama, but he's also been offered by Oklahoma, LSU, Arkansas, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Michigan, Miami, Nebraska, Penn State, Texas, Tennessee, I could go on and on. So, you know, he's a very quality recruit. Kobe Baines, offensive lineman, three-star ranking right now. And we'll adjust those rankings as we get closer and closer to summertime as far as 247 sports goes. But like Kobe Baines, I think he's a little underranked right now, too. He's got a Michigan offer. They're coming after him very hard. These are three quality prospects. How many kids are they going to take in 2020? 
You know, it's it's honestly too early to really answer that question with any authority because you don't know what kind of attrition is going to factor in. Uh, and that always affects the spots that you have in this class. Right now, I'm going to guess 22 to 25. I mean, I think those are your working numbers right now. What's Mississippi class look like? It's not nearly as deep as it was the uh, – the previous cycle. That 2019 cycle, you know, we told you guys for the longest time that, uh, you know, the, the state probably had 30 to 35 power five football players in it. And, um, and it did, uh, the, the 2020 class is not that deep. It, it, it's kind of top heavy. Uh, you got a couple of defensive tackles up at the top in McKinley Jackson and Josiah Hayes uh, that are national kind of recruits. You got one right here in your hometown, Jeremiah Piggies, uh, who's a tight end athlete prospect. He's a four star. But it's not, it, it, here's a good way of saying it there are seven four stars in Mississippi's 2020 class right now. The highest rated three star in the state is Eli Acker. Uh, who is committed to Ole Miss, has been since last summer. Uh, so it, it's not nearly as deep. But, you know, just looking through it, I think you probably have, you know, 20 Power 5 players in this state this year. 2019 was a special class. Who's next for Ole Miss recruiting? Who could be the next commitment to come into the fold? Boy, that's a million-dollar question right there. Um, that's hard to say. It, it, it truly, truly is. It feels slow right now, even with the commitments. It feels slow. Well, it's that time of the year where things are going to start picking up, and and they have. I think what you'll see is probably a couple of more before we actually get to June. So, you know, just envision that class with probably five or six members in it going into the summertime, and then the summertime camp scene – they're going to they're going to stack probably another 10 to 12 commitments and you'll go into the fall, you know, with around 15, 16 or so commits and, uh, you know, anywhere from, you know, eight to, to 10 spots left that you want to fill down the stretch run of the fall. Last one. Who's handling Memphis now? Yeah, that's Charles Clark. Charles Clark is up there in the Memphis area right now. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's a little misnomer to say Clark is handling the Memphis area because now for the last couple of seasons, you know, the Ole Miss coaching staff has tag team recruits, which I think is very, very smart. While you may have a primary guy or an area guy, uh, you know, assigned to a certain zone, Look, man, if there's a linebacker up in Memphis, you better believe Tyrone Nix and uh, and Jeff Koontz are going to be involved in the recruiting process up there as well. Uh, so, you know, a little bit of misnomer to just go, OK, well, this is his area. You know, we're going to judge this guy by by the success and failures in that area uh, because that's his recruiting area. So, you know, they are they are kind of taking a team approach to that, Ben. Recruit Check brought to you by Alan Samuels, Chrysler Dodge, Jeep, Ram of Oxford. He's David Johnson. Writes for me at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Read his stuff on the Ole Miss Spirit as well as on Twitter, at Rebels247. Thanks, man. Maybe again we'll talk soon. It was good to be home. Thank you, Ben. That was David Johnson for a Recruit Check. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit, but on Twitter, he's Corey Keys at Corey Keys. You're an Ole Miss grad. Do you still pay attention to Ole Miss football recruiting? Not as much recruiting as I used to. I'll tell you that much. But I do still – I. I do still follow people that tweet it, so I see that they get commitments here and there. Well, that's it, huh? No, I mean, oh, come on. I mean, I it's actually funny. I, I've got this. I don't even follow almost baseball, really, and you know this. I actually bought the powder blue hat because Ooh. I was like, that is a sharp hat, and I'm going to buy it. So I, I ordered it from one of the shops there in Oxford. They sent it out to me. And so you better believe I'm rocking my powder blue hat in the metro Atlanta suburbs. Ole Miss is 17-8 and eight as a baseball team, 3-3 three and three in the SEC after losing at Missouri the series. 
Now I'm going to talk a lot about Ole Miss baseball today, maybe on Thursday. We'll see. I don't know quite yet what the Thursday show is going to be like. But Jacob Peeler is coaching this football team as a part of the overhaul coaching staff of Matt Luke. And Ole Miss trying to bounce back from a losing season last year and get bowl eligible for the first time in which they can actually go back to the postseason after all the NCAA stuff. Spring football is always the breadwinner when you talk about coverage in Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss made the NCAA tournament and people were excited, but the minute they lose, it's okay, what's going on in football? <laughs> what's yep. going on? That's all it is. It's always about what's going on in football. The, Jacob De- the, De- the Devin Thomas Bowl. Yes, the Devin Thomas Bowl. The Grove Bowl is <laughs> coming up. I think it's uh, April. Sixth or seventh, that Saturday, whenever that is. And mm-hmm. uh, the Grove Bowl is something that I'm sure a lot of Ole Miss fans will attend. But what's going on in spring football right now? Jacob Peeler would know, and he joins us on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. At Cheney's Pharmacy, you get the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, ChaneysPharmacy.com. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's go. All right, enough messing around. Let's play this game. Let's play some football. It's first-team All-State. I can put the ball wherever I want to. I'll make it rain out here. I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? I like this kind of party! Joining me now on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line is Ole Miss wide receivers coach Jacob Peeler. Ole Miss is in spring football practices, weeks into Ole Miss spring football practices. And Jacob, I would assume that with all the new change in the coaching staff and stuff, it's been a little frantic, but have you gotten a good vibe from the team? Has the response been pretty good? Yeah, you know, obviously uh, going out there, learning a new offense and defensive system, there's going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, chaos, I guess you could call it a little bit early, just having to learn the new new terminologies, a lot of new faces out there. So uh, obviously you get 15 opportunities in the spring. So we're going into the second half of it. And, you know, obviously coming off of spring break, uh, you know, two weeks ago, I thought this last week, you know, we're able to really dive back into our playbooks and, and, you know, kind of take that next step in the second half phase of, of, you know, learning the new systems. All right. So tell me as a wide receivers coach, what's the difference when you're teaching your wide receivers to run to space to now structure within the offensive system as far as wide receivers are concerned? What's the biggest difference so far? Yeah, you know, obviously um, we're going to be a little bit more of a coverage read uh, from a quarterback and receiver standpoint. You know, our, our routes are going to be adjusted off the different coverages that we're going to see a little bit more. Um, you know, again, it's it's not too drastically changing from what we were doing, but more, I guess you could say, from a structural standpoint, there's, there's a little bit more definitive reads um, from our standpoint and the quarterback standpoint to make sure that we're on the same page. And so, you know, again, I think, you know, anytime that you're, you're, you're doing that, you're, you know, it's a little bit of, um, you know, trying to diagnose a little bit more and not playing quite as fast because it can adjust so quickly if a safety rolls a little bit further off the hash or stays inside the hash, it may change a route a little bit. So that usually comes 
uh, a little bit later, obviously more like I mentioned the second half of spring and more of the fall camp where guys get a little bit more comfortable with that aspect. But, uh, you know, again, excited about, uh, the direction that we're headed in and, and, uh, you know, loving, loving what I'm seeing right now from coach Rich Rod and, and his energy and attention to detail from, from the, uh, from all the guys. With such a young group, is it better to have more structure than freedom to go out there and have to read and react for yourself? Uh, kind of, you can say it's a little bit of a double-edged sword a little bit. Um, you know, the structure aspect is always, is always good. Um, but at the same time, you know, you all, you, like I mentioned, you may not have the the guys playing at the speed of, uh, that you probably would like them to play at uh, a little bit. You know, when you're, you're taking a guy from junior college or a guy from high school or a guy that redshirted, you know, sometimes they're just not truly playing at the speed that you want them to. And that'll come with time and that'll come with reps and that'll come with obviously, uh, um, you know, timing and things of that nature. Once once they're throwing routes uh, after our 15th practice, as they go into off-season conditioning and off-season uh, training, they'll they'll get a little bit more of that going at the end. But uh, again, it's it's always exciting when you start back over. Uh, no different than two years ago when when AJ and DK and Lodge. I mean, those guys were unproven products then, and and you know, again, you had to had to bring them along slowly and, and you got to see them progress from day one of spring ball to even fall camp. I mean, the, the jumps and strides that those guys made. And so again, hoping, hoping those guys continue to take the next step uh, as we get a little bit more comfortable in the offense. What's the timing and chemistry like right now with Matt Corral? And is that usually something that comes a little later in spring football when you're making a, or breaking in a new quarterback? No question. You know, and again, sometimes you don't really truly see that, like I mentioned, until they're out there running routes when we're not even allowed to be out there. Because, you know, when you got different checks and you got different coverages, you know, and as defensive moves, things change. Usually the timing is one of the later things that come with that. And obviously Matt Corral is a, a ultra competitor. You know, again, he has a phenomenal arm talent and, and he does some things really well, and I think even when he gets more and more comfortable with the whole whole offense, he'll continue to grow as well. And you know, again, he's he's kind of taking on a little bit of a, a leadership role, and guys are listening to him, and he's got a little bit of a moxie about him. So, again, I think that'll be the things that'll come even even later, and and as they get more comfortable. Who's leading your group right now? You don't have AJ, you don't have DK, you don't have Demarcus Lodge, those voices around your room anymore. Who's the loudest voice in the room right now? Uh, I would say Elijah Moore. Uh, you know, again, a guy that's had some success uh, on the field and done it against, you know, not only uh, non-conference opponents, but has some success against conference opponents. And so I think him and then, you know, obviously Braylon Sanders is kind of the uh, seasoned vet of the room and, and he's been limited uh, having an injury last year and, uh, at the end of the year, coming off of that uh, that ankle surgery, and so hopefully, hopefully, get being able to get him, uh, you know, going here the last end of spring ball will be huge, and, and you know, again, add add a uh, more veteran voice to the room. But I think it's it's throwing guys in like a like a Dontario Drummond who just showed up, you know, running with the ones right now, kind of forced his hand a little bit sooner than you would like, but. Again, there's you know you throw them to the fire. Sometimes you you, you find out who is able to handle it, and and uh, you know again I think he's handled it well. Just got to continue to bring him along like a, like everybody else, and uh, hopefully though those two guys will will be able to you know be guys that that can 
you know, bring some experience and leadership to the room. You kind of touched on my next question. Demario Drummond heard nothing but good things coming out of spring football practices about him. But is it a good thing when a guy who's never been in a system before, never been on campus, comes in and immediately sets the world on fire? Or is that uh, a concerning thing when you got a lot of returning guys, but this dude comes in and sets the world on fire? Or is everybody just on an even playing field because it's a new offense and that's the perfect opportunity for Ontario Drummond to come in and start? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you start looking at what we get coming back, I mean, we're, you know, obviously from from losing five players last year to, you know, losing some to transfer the year before, there's nothing but opportunities right now. Um, you know, we still got, like I mentioned, uh, Braylon Sanders out, and we'll have three more reporting in May. So, essentially, we got four of our scholarship receivers are not going through spring ball, which leaves us with five scholarship total. Uh, that you're going through spring with right now. So that's never what you want going through a, a, a new spring with a new offense is, is limited to to half of the uh, receiver roster that you would have uh, come fall camp. So again, you're throwing guys out there, you know, probably a little bit sooner than, than they're ready for it. But again, Drummond has done a tremendous job, has, has a lot of experience playing college football um, you know, winning two national championships and being the all-time leading receiver at his junior college, he's obviously had success. So, um, you know, again, he's he's uh, trying to figure it out, the, the tempo and speed that we wanted to play at. Uh, you know, it's always, obviously when you're playing the SEC, it's going to be a lot different than, than playing uh, at any other level, um, especially, the, you know, junior college or high school. So he's getting better at improving every single day. I think he's a really smart football player, but Again, you know, I think once we're able to get our full complement of our room and get everybody healthy and get all our freshmen in, I think that'll add a huge value because those guys are getting some some huge reps right now going through these 15 practices. Six one two four out of East Mississippi Community College. What does he do well? What immediately pops off the film, right? Or, or when you're on the field, what pops off immediately? Uh, ball skills. Um, I, I mean, he's got some big mitts. Um, again, I think that was the one thing, if you got a chance to watch him in junior college, uh, he, he made that one-on-one contested catch. Um, you know, again, if the ball was in his area, he rarely did come down with it because he just had such big hands and, and, and he had a you know strong grip. And so I would say those are the things that he's uh, done really well. Um, again, he's, he's a f- football smart football savvy kid I think I mean, when you say something it triggers immediately with him he gets it um and again just experience having played in in the junior college system I mean he's played against guys that have gone on to play SEC football or, or power five football so he's got some of that experience in his belt and so uh again it, it's you would love to be able to bring a guy like that along um you know rep him a little bit less with the ones as they get in, but you know, with our with our depth situation, with it the way it is, and the injuries that we have, I'm forced to kind of put them in there probably a little bit sooner than we would had liked. But he's handled it well, and he's he's improving every single day. Miles Battle was your dude coming out of his recruiting class. What does he have to do to come on and be better and be ready to contribute now? Um, anytime you're you're asking somebody to to go in this league, it's it's defeat man coverage. Um, you know, again, that's that's something that everybody asked about DK Metcalf two years ago was could he defeat press coverage? And, and again, I've had these discussions with these young guys. I mean, you watch DK from the moment I was hired until you know this this last year up until the Arkansas game. I mean, that was the one thing that he took such big strides in was 
being that dominant X that which is the single receiver that if they manned you up that you're gonna take that advantage of that mismatch. And those are the things again, I think he's probably close to twenty pounds heavier. Um in high school rarely do you see a kid if they are a you know a any what dominant or a uh, or successful tall receiver those guys are normally get a lot of soft coverage. And so he didn't see a lot of press man in high school. And so guys didn't want to get beat over the top. So he always got free releases. So that was something that, you know, as you get stronger, as you get bigger, I think he's close to 205 in that range right now. And he came in at 180 something pounds. So that is strength. And, you know, again, he's six, four, you, you'd love for him to continue to grow into his body and, and uh, continue to to win that one on one matchup. So those are the things that that we're going to ask of him is is when it is man coverage and you're getting a one on one that you got to take advantage of that. And again, those are things that that come with time. And 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 he he'll continue to improve as we get through this through this uh, initial install and and getting comfortable where he's not having to think and he's just more more so reacting and being a football player. If Jonathan Mingo and Dennis Jackson were listening to this right now, spoiler alert, they're not. But if they were, what would your advice be to them about when they do arrive, what they need to do to hit the ground running? Be available and be a sponge. Um, you know, again, I think the, the biggest thing that freshmen run into, uh, regardless of position, is A, coming in out of shape. I mean, those are the things that will put you behind the eight ball before you even get started. Uh, B is just, you know, being able to adjust to the college speed, um, it, it just happens so much faster. The expectations are, are faster, and you know when you're going from the the big fish into the spot to the in the pond, uh, excuse me, but you know to more so just just being a you know starting back over, being a freshman again. You just got to be humble, and you got to be willing to to just put that much more extra time and effort into the playbook and the weight room. And, you know, a guy like Dennis, you know, it'll be the first time he's really introduced to the weight room because he's such a multi-sport player. So he goes straight from football to basketball to baseball. So the weight room will be huge for him. Um, but again, you know, having the opportunity to be in the slot will give him a little bit more free releases advantages, you know, where he, he'll get a little bit more of an advantage over a guy like a Mingo or Turnigan that's got to defeat press coverage and, you know, again, that takes time for some guys just because of the strength of the corners and the speed of the corners That's in this league. You're not getting free releases like you would in some other leagues. Um, but those are the things that they, you know, they'll have to do when they get here. And, again, we're going to put the best players on the field and, and find a way to, to win with what we got for sure. Now, when y'all go to the Grove Bowl, the offense is going to be vanilla. You're not going to want to give anything away. And then I understand it. you got Memphis and Arkansas to start. You don't want to give them much of anything. So – with that in mind, Ole Miss fan comes to the Grove Bowl. What can they expect to see, maybe identity, whatever it might be, in regards to the Ole Miss offense now that it's under Rich Rodriguez and no longer Fulongo? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're going we're gonna to work on us. I mean, we're not going to, you know, I, I wouldn't sit there and say we're going to be vanilla because, I mean, we went, we need to take advantage of every opportunity that we have. I mean, now, again, we're, we're going to try to execute the playbook and, and the plays that's called. And, I mean, I think with his offense, I mean, you – you always, you know, want to adapt to the players that you have. And obviously, you know, Matt Corral is, is a, a talent at quarterback and we're going to build, you know, around him and the offensive line first, because those are the two most important pieces of an offense. And so again, I, to answer your question, I'll be interested to see too, you know, again, uh, we, I don't know if we found our identity quite yet. Uh, you know, I think that's part of the process when you're installing a new offense with a new team and, 
you know, you look at his success, um, you know, at Arizona to Michigan to West Virginia, all the way back to, to Tulane. Um, and he's always been able to adjust his offense according, according to his offensive line and his trigger man. And so I think that's the thing that we're going to figure out uh, as we go here. I don't think we're, like I said, I don't know if we're at that point where we know what we can uh, hang our hat on this yet. Um, you know, because again, guys are still kind of going through the analysis process of trying to figure it all out. So uh, I guess we'll kind of figure that out in the next two weeks, a little bit more of what we're going to be doing. Identity is a catchword that coaches use, and you can't really define it. Is there a real way to forge an identity? Like, how do you do that? How, how in the spring or when you got a team that's got so many new guys, how do you forge an identity? Is that a real thing? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I think you always, you know, again, it always starts up front. Uh, you want to be a physical, you know, offensive line that, that is able to uh, win in the trenches because in this league, that that's the difference uh, in wins and losses every single week is – being able to maintain and, and hold the line of scrimmage. And, you know, again, you got to be able to win those battles. And I think that's where it always starts. Um, every single, every single uh, offense that is successful in this league is able to uh, do well up front. And, you know, again, it's no secret that we've lost some really good offensive linemen and, you know, we're in the process of they're different at my position. Uh, the same with coach McNeils. We're trying to make sure that we bring those offensive linemen along and, and, and is able to, you know, get those guys in situations to be successful. And again, you got a very, you know, veteran backfield, uh, you know, we were two top backs coming back with Scotty Phillips and uh, obviously uh, Isaiah Willard, both of those guys that are big physical backs that are able to fall forward and, and uh, do some really good things as, in terms of the ball skills. And so again, I think that'll be the biggest thing is being able to lean on those guys in, in short yardage and, and red zones, you know, opportunities where we're able to, you know, basically win the matchup up front. So that's what you always would love to come out of spring. No different than last year at this time, even with the receivers that we had and having the quarterback back, you know, we really want to establish a little bit of an identity up front where we're able to lean on guys like Javon and Greg and, and Sean and all the way across the board. And, you know, we want to make sure that, we were able to do that. So I think that's any offense across the country, um, you know, even the ones that are going to throw it 70 times a game, they still want to be able to establish, a, you know, some semblance of a run game and lean on those guys. And, because that's what it's going to come down to. It's four-minute offense and red zone uh, that, that win games at the end of the day is keeping drives alive and, and, you know, scoring in the red zone. So that's the things that we're really working hard on right now is, is uh, you know, find a little bit of a, uh, of a mental edge and physical edge, uh, you know, offensively it starts up front and it's no different to receivers. You know, we got to make sure that we're finishing blocks when, when we're not tagged on RPOs and, and things of that nature. Any player surprised you? Didn't have to be a wide receiver, but any guy surprised you out there on the practice field? Uh, Tyler Knight. Um, you know, Tyler Knight, you know, no secret, uh, 6A player of the year. You know, everybody, you know, kind of questioned his size. Could he, could he do it in the SEC? And, and, uh, you know, again, at the end of the day, that kid is just a football player. Um, he's not afraid. Every time he steps on the field, he, he has a little bit of a, a confidence about himself. And, and you know, again, it it, it kind of it, – it, guys gravitate toward him because of how hard he plays. He never takes a playoff. And he plays physical for a small guy, you know, whether he's, you know, blocking or running routes or, 
you know, whatever he is, uh, coming off the edge on punt. I mean, it's just the kids, he's always involved and he always flashes. That's a guy that really has kind of caught my attention uh, because he can be, he can be in, in, in used in multiple positions and multiple spots. And again, he is a, uh, he's a football player. So I'm really excited about year two, you know, really pulling him in uh, offensively. I know last year he kind of, moved around a little bit from offense to defense back to offense this spring. And so he's really, uh, you know, taken, taken on a, uh, a, a different level in, in what I would say his first spring and he's going into his second season. Definitely a guy that's, that's done some really good things. I've asked Matt this. I've asked other coaches this on this show. I'll ask you for the Ole Miss fan coaches and players. They're always optimistic. They always expect the best. Y'all, y'all are shooting for bowl eligibility, making a bowl, all of the, NCAA stuff in the past but for the Ole Miss fan right now that's playing the wait and see game wanting to see what the team's going to look like if they can build some enthusiasm and optimism back what's the path what's the path forward as far as uh getting back to the to bowl playing in bowls being competitive competing in the SEC West all that kind of stuff what what do you see as the path forward and, and what can this team be do you think what's the ceiling uh, you know what? That's yet to be determined. I mean, I'm not going to throw any labels on any of it yet. Um, obviously, you know, Coach Coach Luke went out and, and found two big time uh, coordinators. Uh, you know, obviously, when you start talking about the name Bruce Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre, that immediately uh, raises eyebrows. And, and again, those guys are proven winners. And uh, I think both have both been named, if I'm not mistaken, you know, National Coaches of the Year and their and their tenure and times as head coaches. So it brings a a, a little bit of excitement from a, uh, you know, again, from a, from a football junkie standpoint, you're immediately excited about those, those two guys and, and the, you know, success they've had. And so again, those are some things that, that again, you can lean on, you know, as a player, or, you know, even me as a position coach, I can lean on Rich Rod's experience and guys like Calvin McGee, who's been his coordinator, you know, again, they, they have the answers, you know, they start doing this, what are you doing versus that, you know, they have immediate answers. So I think that's that's some things that 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 we'll lean on for sure is just that experience and success that those guys have had and and again you know we're going to be young I mean there's no there's no uh, you know you look at the roster I mean we're going to be you know predominantly freshman sophomore uh, heavy uh, especially offensively and again it's going it's going to be times where we're going to have to have to lean on on experience uh, by guys like you know coaches and. and and uh, things of that nature to get those younger guys in, in situations to be successful. But I think we're going to play with a hard edge. I think we're going to have guys that are going to be physical. And, and again, you you got to be at this level in this league. And so I think those are things that we're going to try to, you know, rely on our uh, physicality at times and, and not be so finesse maybe. And, you know, I'm thinking as a receiver coach, we don't, we, that kind of always aggravates me. If, if you're known as a finesse offense or a finesse team, you don't want to be known as that. And that's my words, obviously. So I think that's what we're trying to find right now. You talked about the word identity. I think that's what we're trying to lean on and find right now is a little bit of a hard edge and aggressive nature. And that, that way we're going to be attacking on both sides of the ball. He's Ole Miss wide receivers coach Jacob Peeler. Thanks for doing this, man. I always feel like I learned something from you. We'll do it again. That sounds great. Appreciate you for having me. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. 
That's your modern woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. That was Jacob Peeler, Ole Miss wide receivers coach. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Corey Keys at Corey Keys. Before we get out of here, Corey, the biggest takeaway that you have from Ole Miss basketball in 2018-19, what's the lasting final impression? I think it goes back to that they maxed out everything they could. Um, I think they were absolutely a team that had great buy-in. I think that's the big – to me, that's the biggest accomplishment of the staff is they got those kids to buy in. Um, coming off a tough year last year that nobody wanted to go that way. Uh, coming off a tough year, getting those kids to buy in and a new staff so quickly um, and being able to adjust and, and reach a goal that you know has been a difficult goal for the program as a whole. I think that's what you take from it. Number one need area for Ole Miss is what? I think it's obvious. Kadeem Sai, give me a stretch five. Yeah, I mean, I think they've got to have more playmakers. Uh, I, I think it's to the point because the reality is next season, you're talking about two guys that have been ball dominant players that return in Shuler and Tyree. You got to have guys that they can play off of. Devontae Shuler, the now face of the program with TD gone. I think it's Bree's team until he's gone. Now, would it shock me if Devontae Shuler becomes the guy at some point next season? No, it wouldn't at all. I think it's Devontae Shuler's team. I think he earned that at Columbia, talking about the Missouri game when they had to win it to get to the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. And he Could looked be- around in that locker room and said, people are being too quiet. Some, we need a leader out here, and he became that guy. I think Devontae will be an all-league caliber player next year. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. I think he should be, and I think he deserves to be. I mean, he's a he's a good kid. He, like I said, he was there for about a month, and my last month before I left Ole Miss, um, you know, he's a kid we wanted like hell, and we recruited him. So we knew that this was there for him, and I'm glad he's being able to, to, to reach these heights because I damn sure think he can be um, an all-SEC player next year. I hope he is. I talked to his Irmo head coach, his former high school and I said, it's a little bit of a surprise, you know, moving to point guard we hadn't played before. And he quickly corrected me. He said, oh, no, he played point guard for us. So that's something that I'm going to go ahead and squash now. This kid has played point guard before, but I think it's surprising how quickly he took to it for the first year playing in the SEC mm-hmm. as a point guard. I think that's the most surprising thing. Assisted turnover was good. And more than that, when they needed big shots, Devontae toward the end of the year was the one taking them. Well, that's the thing, I think, more than anything else um, was his ability to become a third scorer. Because you knew you knew at the very least coming into this year that Brian Tyree had, a, had, had shown flashes of being a really good scorer. He just had to be more consistent with it. And you didn't know what that third guy was going to be. The fact that Devontae Shuler, that's probably, if you ask me, the biggest X factor of this season was his emergence. So what, probably what pushed him the furthest. March 26, 2019, gun to your head and saying, OK. Ole Miss is or isn't an NCAA tournament team next year. You say you can't do that to me. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say I don't know because I again I don't. I want to be fair. I want to see what everybody else does with their rosters before I do anything. I would be surprised if going into the year they're at least not top eight. Without knowing what roster attrition is going to be, they look like a middle of the pack SEC team. So I think that's probably accurate. 
We'll so see if they're how middle of the goes. pack, going by Kermit Davis's track record so far, they're going to be what first or second? <laughs> I mean, my God! Ah, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah. Well, what do you know? He's Corey Keys at Corey Keys. I'm Ben Geared at Spirit Ben. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Always, buddy. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.